any blue oyster cult? No, I don't have any blue oyster cult. I ate 34 pairs last time around. Where were you? Welcome to Fast Times at Ridgemount High Legacy Week, part one, where we discuss the origin, the cast and the crew. And uh, yeah, Eric and I are here. And yeah, it's been a while since we did a Legacy Week. What was the last Legacy Week we did? It had to have been Halloween 3. Yeah, I think it was. tomorrow, Almost two years ago. Yeah, it's been a while. I can't think of it. Oh, I don't know if there was or something in between there. When was the uh, Lost Boys? Didn't we do a lot? Didn't we do Lost Boys? Lost a bunch Boys. of Lost Boys. Lost Boys was 2020. Jesus, why does it feel like it was just uh, not that long ago? But yeah, this is exciting stuff. New Legacy Week. Yeah. Um. Yeah. First time we've done a Legacy Week in a while. Um. If you're unfamiliar with Legacy Week, it's pretty much where we break down. Uh, something in this case and in prior cases it's been a film so we'll discuss the the cast and the crew um, in one episode and the origins and then we'll do a full movie breakdown for episode two and then we'll pretty much talk about its influence and legacy in episode three Uh, we always try to bring on more different people on we'll see who ends up on these episodes but this first one's just gonna be Eric and I Um, and then we're going to do the full movie fucking breakdown in person. When was the last time we did one in person? You and I in person. Uh, I don't know. It's been years and years since I was there. I know that you've done some others with some people uh, where I've been on, but I was away and those guys were there with you. But yeah, it's been, I don't even know. It's been a tremendous amount of time since I was actually live in studio. Yeah. Well, that's, what's funny. Whenever we see each other, we see each other probably, I don't know, 10, 10 times a year or something like that. Usually something somewhere in that ballpark, but we're usually trying to, we're trying to go out and do shit or just fucking chill and harass Sean. So we don't have a lot of time to (laughs) podcast usually. So our podcasts are always remote as Eric lives in uh, Pennsylvania and I'm, I'm in upstate New York. Correct. Yeah. It will be, it will be fun. It will be fun for sure. So this is, I mean, this is such a uh, an interesting film, and obviously, we're known for doing horror films mostly, but we also have covered action films and anything eighties. Now, this is, this is, this is when the fucking the lights truly kicked on at the Fort Knox of the eighties, in my opinion, as far as cinema goes. For sure, what early eighties? We're gonna eighty two here. I mean, hundred percent. So this Fast Times at Ridgemont High came out August thirteenth, nineteen eighty two. So we we fast tracked this a little bit. We weren't gonna wait till August to do the fortieth anniversary, but this celebrates its fortieth anniversary in a couple of weeks. Uh, you know, box office it ended up you know it was a budget of five million. It ends up doing twenty seven point one. Um. And then I think it did 50 million like all together for like everything. But regardless, yeah, it's uh written by Cameron Crowe. So this is based off a book. Right. If you if you're not a, if anybody's not aware, it's based off a book that he released a year prior called Fast Times at Richmond High, a true story. And Cameron Crowe apparently went undercover at a school in San Diego called Claremont High School. And he wrote about his experiences. So he used a lot of the influences that he saw in kids and people and things like that and used them and made a 
fucking, you know, turn it into a book. But then obviously the book being as intriguing as it was turns into a movie. And I mean, subsequently launches a few careers into the stratosphere. Oh, for sure. I mean, I know we're going to get into cast, but you have some, even some, in some tiny, tiny, tiny roles in this film, you have some heavy hitters. Oh yeah. Some real heavy hitters. So. So just from that perspective, this is a pretty integral film to in the origins of several talent. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think this film, as we're going to discuss and you know, possibly this episode later, I mean, this being 82, uh, and I'm sure there was stuff around before that uh, that had come out that was funny, uh, or like in this vein of like the high school comedy, sex, drugs, rock and roll type of thing, but it definitely has a major influences on some of the movies from our youth, you know, in the nineties, like, you know, mid to late nineties, early two thousands as well. So. Yeah. So this, this movie is very interesting. So number one, it's directed by a female. So this is, this is one of my favorite things ever one, because I truly think that female directors bring something different to film that's funny to like gauge, I guess, especially in hindsight, because many films, especially in the horror world, uh, have been directed by females, uh, or in this case, uh, you know, a semi, I won't even call it a raunchy comedy, but semi raunchy at times can be a little raunchyrific, but not workies. For sure, oh. for not like yeah, not full on porkies or crazy shit, but yeah, I mean, a very in my opinion, not that I was around in '82, that was a couple of years before I was born. I born in '85, but you know, uh, like we said, how Cameron Crowe, you know, kind of uh, did the undercover thing. You really kind of a real look at you know uh, high school, what was going on in high schools at that time, especially probably well, I'm sure in every goddamn town in America, but you know, Southern California. Well, well, that's what I guess to a point I wanted to to drive right through immediately was obviously Phoebe Cates scene in this movie is very notable for a few reasons, um, being topless, being the, the paramount one. But it's so funny that you, you think it would just be like a creepy director be like, yeah, we're going to have Phoebe Cates topless. No, this is by a female director. And I think at the time. I mean, we say this about the 80s movies all the time. It was a different time, a different place, and a different world in ni- in the 1980s than it is now. For sure, 100%. I mean, and that goes with anything. The dialogue, some of the topics. I mean, it's not a good excuse, of course, and, and no one's using it as an excuse. But, yeah, times were different. And uh, things were just the way things were done in that you know, that time we're, we're a lot different than they're done now in 2022. So oh. some, pe- some people want to cancel it. Uh, don't get me wrong. There's some things that should be canceled. Nothing in this film, of course, in my eyes, but there are certain things that can be canceled historically, of course, but you know, it's just different times and it's just uh, different mindsets. And, and, and like, you know, Jesse was saying, it's, it's, uh, you know, this is coming from a female's perspective as well. So. Yeah. Uh, that, well, that's what's, so let's talk Amy Heck, Hecklering heckerling i guess yeah i get yeah i guess it gets heckerling uh i wanted to discuss her because she's interesting born in 1954 
So she's kind of like, so what she's in her, she's 28 when she does this film then. And that's like an interesting, I like thinking it's so interesting to think about like a 28 year old woman directing this kind of film. So she ends up going on to do National Lampoon's European Vacation. Classic. Mm -hmm. Look Who's Talking. Classic. Clueless. Classic. And a a hidden gem in my eyes, Loser from 2000. Fucking Loser. Yeah. With uh, Jason Biggs. That is a great movie. And there there is some crossover. She ended up having some of these people in those movies the dude who plays uh mark ratner um brian bake backer that dude was in like he was a doctor and loser after yeah, not yeah, being, yes. really being in much for like and i only so yeah let's let's dive into the cast like it's you know we got brian backer who was played uh mark ratner right and he's like the He's like one of the focal points as a guy that's kind of like kind of meek and mild mannered and kind of the nerdy kid. And he's friends with uh, arguably one of the most polarizing figures in all of cinema, Damone. Yeah, kind of the cool guy, you know, uh, he's just case. Oh, as you know, he doesn't like the term scalper, but the scalper cool guy got his hand in a lot of things, a lot of shady things, a lot of cool things. Robert uh, Romano so he, plays. Yes, it, yes, know. yes. Just what a what a character. I obviously, if anybody's familiar with the band Damone, uh Noel LeBlanc from Damone was on this podcast, named at the band named after the famous Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Right. Uh, so then, I mean, that goes, that shows you right there, the influence. Like there was a band that was signed to a major label, put out major label records, toured the world, and they were on the Heart Guy Media podcast. And <laughs> we're talking, we're talking the influencer fast times at Ridgemont High. Look at, look at right there already. For sure. For sure. That's a huge thing right there. But and of all the characters they use, you know, at the moment. So, Ratner, the guy who plays uh, Mark Ratner, Brian Backer, just in the only thing I know, he is like, he has that face that you, he is so like, I've seen this movie and Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol, which is the first Police Academy movie I think I ever saw. And Bobcat, Bobcat was like predominant in that one. And I know he's in the third one, but the fourth one, for some reason, that was always on HBO. And my only basis for the Police Academy movies was pretty much Police Academy for Citizens on Patrol for the longest time. And <laughs> I I think for a long time I that was the only Police Academy movie I saw growing up. That's that's it, hilarious. It had everyone you wanted in it. It had Brian Backer, it had David Spade, and Bobcat. I know what a cast. Um, but for some reason. I think about this dude having like such an illustrious career, but he's really of the movies I've seen him in. He doesn't really have a, an extensive filmography, but just being in those two movies, he's like burned <laughs> in my young brain about like, Oh yeah. Fucking he might as well be fucking, he might as well be Nick cave to me. No, for sure. I mean, uh, I think it's, what's great about this movie. What's great about fast times as well. Um, the storytelling is, yeah, 
you know, you have a lot of movies where there's, you know, the main character and then just like maybe a couple supporters, but like this movie kind of uh, almost like a television show. Uh, it kind of gives you an in-depth look at a lot of the characters. You know what I mean? You see that you see different parts of the film. And, and he is uh, he is one of those characters in, in this in the movie. So I understand exactly what you're saying. Like he he might not have had a, like an illustrious career beyond it, but definitely plays a huge role in Fast Times here. Yeah, he's the he's the protagonist for for all intents and purposes. But yeah, for sure, we got motherfucking Sean Penn playing Jeff Spicoli, arguably maybe the greatest yeah. character in all of cinema. I mean, there's some, there's some, some of my favorite actors of all time are, are definitely, I would say, are probably in this movie. But yeah, I mean, Sean Penn, Jeff Spicoli, the most classic character of all time, literally, uh, you know, wearing the checkered slip-on vans, which actually uh, helped catapult those shoes in that yeah. time frame. I mean, they actually fashion, that was eighties fashion, man. Yeah, I, I worked for Vans for a long time, and that was a thing that was always talked about in the, when they did the training about how. Uh, that movie, uh, you know, helped helped Vans tremendously. And that shows you kind of how big the movie was and how hilarious and, and people loved his character that everyone went out and bought the the slip-on uh, Vans. They even uh, a lot of the artwork has those uh, shoes in the, you know, right there with the movie, coinciding with the movie. So, Well, don't uh, they, don't, don't, aren't the Vans slip-ons on the vinyl record too? Yeah, they're on, yeah, they're, they're on the vinyl. They're on a bunch of stuff. I know they use it for some of the alternate artwork. But again, Sean Penn, a lot of people would say some of the, one of the greatest actors in history, uh, gracing us with the ultimate surfer, stoner, uh, and, you know, just overall hilarious human being in this film. Yeah, it's I mean, he goes on to have like a career as like a dramatic actor. But yeah. Like, I mean, I, I know his he was finest moment right is, is his finest moment, not Jeff Spicoli. It, yeah, I mean, just that's what it is. It's funny because, like, I know I'm not sure if he's won an Oscar, but you know, he's been up for an Oscar, some dramatic roles, played everything. But yeah, I mean, Spicoli is probably one of his most memorable movies. And I'd say a lot of people that'd be one of the first ones they bring up are mem- memorable roles, I should say. But uh, for sure, we got Sean Penn, we got. Jennifer Jason Lee, son of actor Vic Morrow. Now, and ended up, I guess I forgot that she ended up knowing Noah Baumbach, the protege of, uh, of uh, fucking Wes Anderson. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Noah Baumbach, uh, Squid and the Whale, a fucking million other movies like E. Squid and the Whale, uh, just on a side note, Squid and the Whale is like a, like if anyone's ever seen that movie, they right. need to see it fucking hilarious and and very Wes Anderson type film but yes but this launches Jennifer Jason Lee kind of into her like it rocket rocket straps or you know straps the rocket to her back ends up you know on fucking uh Miami Blues fucking backdraft single white female one of my favorites heat with or heat fucking um rush with Jason Patrick uh ends up you know just being uh, a pretty well-known actress as well. Um, and this, you go back to this too. When everyone, whenever anybody says Jennifer Jason Lee, you immediately think fast times. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, her, I always saw her character, you know, in that time frame is kind of like the, not to, and I'm not saying that she's not, you know, 
uh, smart or pretty or anything like that. Cause she is of course, but I'm saying like, kind of like the everyday girl next door in this, you know what I mean? But she obviously, yeah, yeah. not all, not she does, crazy done up was a true high school. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and she goes school. probably to be honest with you of, of every character in the middle of the movie, everyone kind of goes through some sort of struggle, even if it's, you know, not so serious, but she goes through probably the biggest roller coaster in this movie of the, some of the shit that happens. And, and honestly, uh, this movie attacks things that high schoolers deal with still to this day. Yeah. I mean, we're, we'll get into more of that, but, uh, you know, fucking uh, abortion and fucking all this crazy shit. Like, yeah, just like, you know, uh, for a young, for a young person, you know, someone that's still in high school and, yeah, young boy, young boy or girl. I mean, yeah, the shit you deal with, like you know, like friends and 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 boys or girls and parties and sex and and all this crazy shit. Like that, you know, is a realistic thing that uh, people that everyone went through. So, but Jennifer Jason Lee playing Stacy Hamilton and her brother Brad Hamilton, the Another fucking le- the king. legend, legendary Judge Reinhold. Oh yeah, legend. Judge Reinhold is the man. If anybody doesn't does not know Judge Reinhold, of course they need to look him up. He's in plenty of things. I'm sure you've seen him in something. But uh, playing the older brother, uh, serious comedic. I, I I always think about his character because he's another like kind of just really key player in this whole film. I don't. And I can't picture anybody else playing it. Like he's so goofy at points, but you really you really and, you really can't. And you know. He, you know, if you're unfamiliar with his work, the Santa Claus, come on, <laughs> Neil, Santa Claus. Neil, uh, and the Santa Claus, fucking uh, Billy Rosewood and the fucking Beverly Hills Cop. <laughs> I mean, just a straight king for sure. Uh just a yeah, a legit king. Vice versa with Fred Savage in the '80s, another classic. Yeah, yeah, a classic body swap. Um, I don't know why that fucking and we'll talk about it when we break the movie down, but when he's like washing his car to raise on the radio, I don't know why. I just fucking like it makes me be- belly laugh. Yeah, it's just uh he was like kind of the like that song, like the race on the radio, like all American boy thing. And I think that's like what they were trying to he's another one who kind of you know, he goes to he sinks to a he starts off the movie where he's like the big man on campus and sinks to a low and then yeah, yeah, kind of builds himself back up. But yeah, he is there's something about him, uh, it's so goofy. And uh, he also, in my opinion, has the most embarrassing scene in the movie, uh, I'd imagine. Like if it happened in real life, I mean, yeah, oh, yeah, the, well, the post, the post moving in stereo, so to speak. <laughs> uh so yeah just judge ryan he just just kills it as the older brother ray ray walton as the again iconic mr hand the fucking history teacher aloha yeah i mean he is just there's you know who i always associate him with is is the guy well i don't not even from but the dude who plays the principal in back to the future you know the bald guy yeah, he's yeah. in like so much shit, but like for some reason, those two, like, not that they look alike, it's just like they're always played by they're always like the same playing, like, demeanor kind of, for sure. Yeah, they're always playing like some kind of like asshole, like, but Mr. Hand, like the ultimate asshole teacher. But, um, he shows he yeah. has a heart at the end of it, yeah, shows he has a heart. The, the back and forth, you know, going back with Spicoli throughout the movie is great. It almost reminds me of some of the you know, I used to be an asshole in high school as well, and I know that you could probably vouch uh, for yourself as well. So, oh yeah, 
it's funny those teachers that are hard on you but they're only just trying to crack you and, and that's you know but yeah ultimate job by mr hand here in this in the flick playing the the hard-ass teacher we got of course stacy's best friend linda barrett the one the only phoebe fucking cates yeah in the hall of fame i'd say oh the the hall Hall of fame Fame. she's she stands uh, alone as the Statue of Liberty <laughs> of the Yankees. I mean, uh, you talk Phoebe Cates. I mean, dare we even run down? Dare we do it? I think private you got school, it. Private school, Gremlins, Drop Dead Fred, fucking uh, Bright Lights, Big City, uh, fucking Paradise. Uh, literally anything of relevance. For at least a four-year period, Phoebe Cates is in it. Yeah, Phoebe Cates. I mean, just uh, like I said, she's in the Hall of Fame, playing the uh, a little Again. bit stuck-up friend, uh, dating a guy out of high school. She knows all the ins, all the outs, uh, and all the guys obviously uh, are obsessed with her. That's so she's – how many – Eric, how many – Actress credits? Do you think Phoebe Cates has? Oof, I don't know. Because I mean, I feel in my see in my eyes, she kind of like not that I would say she fell off, but I know she wasn't. Seemed like she stepped away from acting. So I don't know. I guess I'll say 40, 47. 19. Oh yeah, so it's way less. Holy shnikes! So what was the last thing that she has done? So I'm gonna run this down just so we can. This is the importance of having. You're talking about like Phoebe Cates is arguably the Guns and Roses of action. <laughs> you just come out with Appetite of Fucking Destruction, and then you put out Use Your Illusion one and two, and then you pop up for Chinese Democracy. It's not really, <laughs> it's not really liked at the time, but now people love it and appreciate it. But I'm gonna run down her filmography: wow. Paradise, 1982, first film; Fast Times at Ridgemont High, same year, 1982. Babysitter TV movie, 1983. Private School, one of my personal favorites. The fucking, if there's any question about where Phoebe Cates sits in my life, there's a <laughs> original one-sheet private school poster framed in the corner of my room here. Um, in the in the corner of the recording compound. Um, a TV miniseries, two episodes called Lance, 1984. Gremlins, 1984. Lance 2, the TV movie, 1985. Oh, wow. Date with an Angel, 1987. Bright Lights, Big City with Michael J. Fox, 1988. Shag, 88. Heart of Dixie, 89. I Love You to Death, 90. Gremlins, The New Batch, uh, 90. Uh, Largo, Desolado, 90. TV movie. Drop Dead Fred, 91. Bodies Rest, Motion and Motion, 1993. Princess Caribou, 94. And then a seven-year gap until she played Sophia Gold in the 2001 film, The Anniversary Party. And then from 2001 to 2015, a 14-year gap, she was in Lego Dimensions, the video game, doing a voice. I mean, that's random, but uh, yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't think there was less than 20. I mean, I knew it wasn't a tremendous amount, but geez, that's crazy. So since you were, since I was, since I was six and you were nine she has only been in 
two on-screen roles in 26, That's 27, crazy. 28 years. And arguably one of the female faces of the of 80s cinema, right? I mean, she's in some classics. You That's know? pretty fucking impressive to, to have that kind of... She's Axel. She's Axel fucking Rose. She's the Barry Sanders of female actresses. Oh, yeah. She could have been great, but she she retired early. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I mean, I'm sure... I know that uh, we had a funny... Well, not funny, but when we were at... Uh, one of the monster manias when we heard Zach Galligan talking and someone, he was talked about how someone asked him about Phoebe Cates every time he's got a Q and a, which I thought was just hilarious. These poor guys up there. Someone asked him about Phoebe Cates at every goddamn Q and a. It's either gizmo or Phoebe Cates. That's all you're <laughs> he's haunted by both of them. Nobody cares about poor Zach. So to, to run down kind of the, the tertiary uh, tier cast here, we got Forrest Whitaker playing fucking Charles Jefferson. Yeah, I just want to say, arguably my favorite character of the film. I fucking love Forrest Whitaker. The dude is world class. He's been in like some of my oh, favorite yeah, legend. movies. Another legend. Yeah, another legend, but playing just like the fucking jacked up football player just everyone's afraid of. Classic character. Vincent Schiavarelli playing the fucking... The biology teacher, Mr. Vargas. <laughs> another a guy. He's been in fucking Ghost. He's been in fucking... Oh, his character in Ghost. Batman Returns as well, right? Batman Batman fucking Returns. (laughs) The dude was literally in everything. He died... What, 2005, this motherfucker died the day after Christmas. What a bummer. That is a bummer. That guy, like... Lung cancer. Smoked like a fucking chimney. Yeah, I'm not saying he's not a good actor, but that guy also just had, like, a... You know how, like, there's some people who just, like, they get cast because they have just, like, a kind of off look? Oh, yeah. Like, he just looks a little bit off. But the dude was probably – he was hilarious in this flick, of course. But, uh, yeah, that's uh, – anybody should look him up. If you haven't seen it, look him, look him up because you'll, you'll probably recognize him from something. Fucking, yeah, he's been in fucking Miracle Beach. You ever seen that one with Dean <laughs> I don't think so, no. Oh, that's a great one. Fucking Miracle Beach. I haven't thought about Miracle Beach since I was fucking – I don't even know, 12. Um. Um, Amanda Wiss. Amanda yeah. Fucking Wiss. Playing Brad's girlfriend, correct? That, yeah, right? Yes. Yep, of Nightmare on Elm Street fame. Tina, yep. come on now. Come on now. Of Nightmare on Elm Street fame. And then, what else do you really need to do? You did Nightmare on Elm Street, you did Fast Times. Like, what else? You know? you're, you're pretty. And was she in? Yeah, she was in fucking Better Off Dead, too. Oh, yeah, she is in Better Off Dead, yeah. What look a fucking, that. again, look at that. Queens and Kings. We're talking of Kings and Queens today. <laughs> we really are. And Nick Cage. Nick fucking Cage, nephew to Francis Ford Coppola, making his, apparently he had a bigger role. I'm not sure what the role was, but because he had lied about his age, and then they found out he was 17, so he could only have a really small role. Yeah, I mean, just think about Nick Cage. As the like, burger flipper. He's really in two two scenes, I think, right? Like, he's he's in the scene towards the beginning when they go to school, and then he's really – he's in uh, the scene – yeah, the burger flipping scene. But, yeah, Nick – old Nick Coppola. And, yeah, Bill is Nick Coppola in the movie. Um, also, Anthony Edwards and Eric Stoltz as the stoner buds of Jeff Spicoli – just. Talking, listen, Kings, 
Anthony That's Edwards, like. not of ER fame in my oh. eyes, but no. of Revenge of the Nerds and Pet Cemetery 2 fame. Yes, and Top Gun. Got to mention Top Gun as well. Yes. Top Gizon. <laughs> but yeah, think about I mean, that's another one too. I mean, Revenge of the Nerds, fucking Pet Sem, Pet Cemetery 2, I should say. And uh, yeah, I mean, fucking Top Gun and, and Fast Times got the, I mean, just the ultimate trio there. Stolzi, Stolzi, the fucking the mask himself. I don't even know if it's like the case, but I hope the three of them just like literally like hang kept out, kept in touch. Yeah, I hope they, I hope they still hang out to this day. Like I have a feeling they stuff. do like fucking. They just hang out and like go into Penn's like study and <laughs> <just> smoke cigar. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I hope, I really hope that's the case. But Stolzi, come on now, fucking some kind of wonderful. Uh, the would-be Marty McFly. Yeah, almost Marty McFly. Almost was, Marty McFly. was Marty, Marty McFly, technically. Yeah, look it up. If you haven't, if no one's ever seen it, you can definitely Google the pictures. He was Marty McFly for quite a while. Um, also, Pulp Fiction. Yeah, so much stuff. So much stuff. Longtime wife of Cameron Crowe, the screenwriter, the the novelist who, who the movie is based on. And Cameron Crowe, if you're not familiar with, has done everything. And the movie Almost Famous is literally based off how he started writing for uh, Cream Magazine and later Rolling Stone. That's uh, that's biographical, uh, autobiographically uh, accurate, mostly. Um, but his then girlfriend and longtime wife, Nancy Wilson, a heart plays gr- beautiful girl in car in Fast Times. Interesting. I guess I didn't know that. I uh, didn't know that. I didn't know that they were, they were, they were a thing. And listen, I saved the best for last. R.I.P. to an- another king. Taylor Negron plays pizza guy. <laughs> yes, he does. He does play the fucking short pizza guy. Fucking Spicoli <laughs> orders a pizza in, uh, in the goddamn class. Uh, also, I'm trying to. Al- think, yeah. He also isn't better off dead. Another crossover with Amanda West. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, um, plays Falso in Nothing But Trouble. Fucking is in Biodome as fucking Russell. <laughs> yeah, I mean, another guy, again, like, if, if you watch a movie in the 90s or the, the, the 80s, yeah. you've definitely most likely seen him. He's even on a goddamn episode of Curb Your Enthusiasm, so. I can't, uh, I, I can't remember. I sent it to you a long time ago, but there was someone wearing... It wasn't him, but it was like I think it was at his like memorial. Someone was wearing the the Negron please shirt. It was yeah. like a Taylor Negron shirt, and he, I mean, a guy that you know he ends up passing away in 2015 of at 57, but he's just one of the easy fucking money, easy money. Oh, Jesus. Jennifer Jason Lee and Easy Money too. Like, just he was in some Angels in the Outfield, fucking the Last Boy Scout. This dude was in so much stuff. And he had like such a, a a stand-up career. Um and it yeah, he's just one of those guys. I, I, I love talking about the dude because everything he's in, he just cracks me up. And yeah, I mean, I think you I think that's a good thing about what we do too, is we try to tr- pay tribute to some of these some of these faces that we see in a lot of movies that we love that uh you know that probably aren't talked about enough. And a guy like him who's been in a tremendous amount of movies that I know we love you got you got to give him a little bit uh, you got to give him a little cheer so um uh, the uh, another person that comes to mind in this another small role is uh what's her name there the girl from night of the comet night of the comet oh night yeah of the comet i can't um, think of a 
uh, her, I know her name's Kelly. I can't think of her last name, but she, uh, she has a small role in the film as a cheerleader, but she's, uh, the blonde from, uh, Night of the Comet. What's her last name? And my head, it starts with an M, but. BT would BT wouldn't. Her name is Kelly Maroney. Kelly Maroney. Okay, yes. I only, I'm only, I only, that only rings a bell because I watched the Night of the Comet recently um, with the, with uh, the last drive in with the commentary with it. And it's Kelly Maroney, like with the Joe Bob. (laughs) Which Night Night of the Comet is a great movie. And, uh, and uh, she does a good job in that too. I just, so I do apologize. I couldn't think of her name, but yes. I, so I did. Go ahead. Sorry. No, I was just saying. So, I mean, I think that's just another like person that shows like who's got chops in like other notable films, you know? So, Amy Heck- Heckerling also directed this female vampire comedy from 2012, which also had a ton of Fast Times characters in it. So it ended up having uh, who we haven't mentioned yet, the dude who plays um, Arnold is in it. Um, his name's Eric Scott Thompson. He plays okay. Eric, but that dude's in it. Um, fucking uh, Brian Backer's in it. Um, Mark Ratner, Taylor Negron is in this. Um. So I thought that was interesting. You get those guys, especially, I mean, that the other dude, uh, the dude who played uh, Arnold was in Citizens on Patrol with Brian Backer, too. But I just think it's funny that you have uh, all those years later that those two reunite on screen uh, for Amy Heckerling uh, in that. But Cameron Crowe, man. Cameron Crowe, another guy that's like, talk about a guy that's lived the life. He's written for Cream and Rolling Stone magazine, uh, director, just like, I don't know, maybe one of the most notable, like, uh, I guess, entertainment. I don't I don't know where you, the dude's directed music videos, I think. Like, this dude's just done, like, yeah, he's done say anything he he did too like this he's done so much he wrote and directed say anything uh i know he did that roadies um movie but vanilla sky uh jerry Maguire, almost famous singles uh the wildlife which had you know uh uh chris penn in it another classic 80s um but he's just done an insane amount of like like Toby just Toby or you know Toby Maguire fucking Jerry Maguire <laughs> and and almost famous right there if even if he just did those two and fast times like that's enough like right there but on top of dating Nancy Wilson from Heart like um and say anything like uh, he's got you know he ended up he directed the Wood video for Allison Chains which I did not know wow yeah did not know that either that's awesome yeah I mean he's He's done some. He's wrote and directed a lot of great films. A lot of films I love uh, tremendously, um, for sure. And he kind of he's done. What I like about him is he's kind of a little bit all over the place uh, with what he's done. You know, Vanilla Sky was a lot different than say, you know, Jerry Maguire or something like that, or right. you know, say anything. And he recently he directed a movie not too long ago with uh, Bill Murray and uh, Bradley Cooper called Aloha. I actually kind of liked. It was like kind of a well, kind of like a romantic comedy dark comedy type thing but it was a good flick anyway 
Yeah, I'm gonna check that one out. I may have to put that on the docket. Yeah, yeah. I mean, kind of in his vein of, of the way he writes and and, uh, and tells stories for sure. Hell yeah. This is, I mean, a star-studded cast that are super memorable faces. Um, obviously, a director and Amy Heckerling that went on to do great things. Cameron Crowe, who is just like maybe one of the greatest, um, uh, one of the greatest uh, writers of our of several generations. Jesus, our generation. He was doing shit way before we were around, but. Um, it's so funny how we name off like several of these actors and actresses that weren't in a lot, but we right. so paramount in film land for sure. In a, in a time frame, too, I think you get that with a lot of uh, you know, every era where there's um, there's an actor and actress, actresses who do uh, a couple movies in that time in a, in a short time frame, but they're very impactful. And I think this film is one of those. There's a, I mean, like you could even bring Phoebe Case. Obviously, she's probably the pillar of that because 19 credits. But she's like, like I said, maybe it's just us, but like kind of a face of 80s female like cinema. You know what I mean? So yeah. no, 100. Um, so yeah, I agree fully. I mean, this film is full of that, full of that. So, and I mean, this is. It's just such a it's shot like so interestingly, too, because it while it feels dated as most especially early 80s movies do, I feel like I don't know the cast, the characters, I should say, are so um, so memorable that it doesn't I feel like it doesn't ever feel dated in in some small way. It does it like because. As we said, this shit is still, you know, things that high school kids deal with, the comedy, the the horrors, the the ins and the outs of being a teenager in high school. So that's what's interesting is I think the subject matter never tires, so it feels kind of timeless in this sense. Yeah, it's 100% timeless because you know what it is? It's a, it's a classic story with it from that time frame, so every generation is going to have a different take on it, but it's got all those elements. Like, it's a teenage thing, you got the the school and parties and relationships. And then like, just, it all kind of ties together. You got, uh, as we all know, in high schools, there's, you know, you got your different groups of people who hang out with each other and the kind of a hierarchy. And, and this film has that as well. And, you know, they, they kind of touch on different time frames. You got like, they touch on like how football is like such a big thing. And like, I think like, you know what I mean? Like a, yeah. there's like a formula to it. And we've seen it a, a, in different ways, but in different times. So I personally think, and I know we're going to get into this later, of course, I don't want to get too much. This is more cast and crew and that stuff. But this movie, like, obviously uh, really influenced a lot of other movies to come after this, where it's kind of that formula, you know, high school and and partying and comedy. And, yeah. and I don't know, like a little bit of drama. Like uh, this film, you know, right out of the 70s kind of i don't know kind of really encapsulates all of that stuff and it and it influences and and it's it's definitely it's a it's a great great film uh and definitely a pillar of of the high school comedies of the 80s for sure so the uh i gotta mention this guy because it's it's in fucking impressive he has 89 credits as a cinematographer and director of photography but to give you a little insight of what this guy has done as far as being the, the director of photography on shit, 
so he had done he had done some stuff before this in the the late 70s early 80s as a cinematographer uh-huh. but he ended up doing poltergeist and fast times at Ridgemont high in 1982 wow but then he goes on to do and i'm going to name movies that are relevant to us but he ends up doing weird science in 85 commando in 85 jumping jack flash dragnet action jackson jackson red heat johnny handsome hard to kill uh another 48 hours uh angels in the outfield uh with taylor negron uh mortal Kombat <laughs> annihilation species two uh rush hour two fast and the, too fast too furious the butterfly effect the dawn of the dead remake fever pitch uh accepted the heartbreak kid remake uh soul man hall pass movie 43 dumb and dumber 2 so this guy ended up going on to have a pretty illustrious career yeah i mean it sounds like he obviously had his his hands in like some pretty serious films throughout his career after jesus i actually didn't even realize yeah that's i mean talk about that's a pretty insane uh (laughs) insane catalog uh yeah to have as a filmography extremely extremely so, yeah i mean i guess i didn't even realize who the dop was so yeah so uh, one of the the main producer on this was irving azoff now if anybody's unfamiliar with irving azoff this dude is the he was the, the ceo of Ticketmaster, and he was the executive uh, chairman of fucking live nation um and this dude has he's been like a heavy hitter in the entertainment world for like ever like an insane shit he ended up founding full moon records and giant records i think a lot of new metal bands were on giant records for some reason uh yeah for sure if it's the same one i'm thinking of unless it's something different maybe i'm thinking of the t-shirt company or oh, something i am you know maybe i am thinking of a t-shirt company a lot of new metal shirts printed on giant too yeah giant was like the shit back then. you get any cold chamber shirt you wanted on a giant sure. uh but yeah apparently there there's controversy with him and and david geffen too like i've heard a bu- i've heard this news name come up a million times on shit and produced a million movies and stuff, and apparently he's got a lot of controversy too. But we're not going to dive into that. He don't yeah, des- for sure. he don't deserve that kind of credit. Um, but yeah, this is this is pretty. I mean, we we're going to get into like the style and, and the influence and stuff like that. But like, this is you know this is I feel like where it really the eighties started to stamp itself out is like this era is different than the seventies. There's more flash. There's more color. And like fashion is like more pronounced. I feel like this was kind of a movie that really started to stamp that out in the annals of American uh, American history. I guess. I mean, not to sound super pro, make it sound really profound, but no, no. You're, I mean, I, th- I think you're great. I think it, it nails that time frame. Like it's like I think we talked about this in one of the recent episodes about how. Uh, when you're coming right out of a generation there, this is only 82. So you still got a lot of influence from that generation before. So you can see like just coming out of the seventies, there's still a lot of that seventies vibe to, to all of that stuff. Uh, and then really starting to come into the eighties, starting to come into their own as well. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. This is kind of, I feel like this movie, I mean, 
there's definitely you could throw fucking et on that list i think like because that was like really heading into like the big the 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 epicness of like science fiction that was big in the 80s and stuff like that but this was like this kicked off i mean honestly you might be able i mean save for maybe one or two other movies this kind of kicked off the teen drama comedy fucking thing that john hughes kind of i mean john hughes don't get me wrong he he are his feet were already wet but like this kind of set the stage for him being able to kind of really create the the brat pack and run with the movies that he did with you know the movies that came just a uh a year and a half two years later with 16 candles and and breakfast club and ferris bueller's day off and you know what i mean like it really oh, for sure. sure this movie deserves a lot of credit yeah, and I think, and I'm sure John Hughes would have even admitted that. I'm sure Cameron Crowe and his oh, writing yeah. and, and this and the style of this movie had a lot of influence on some of his work for sure. And like I said, even films later in the night, the the mid and late nineties, yeah. the early two thousands. Like I think, oh, um, there's you know has their hand in it. Has everyone's got their hand in it? You know what I mean? I don't know if I don't know if we get something like American Pie without Fast Times. I mean, you had Porky's, but I feel like American Pie is one half Porky's, one time, one half fan Fast Times. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely takes like the over the top. Like American Pie is obviously one of those over the top at points as well. So yeah, I think there's elements of both for sure. But you know, some of those other movies like the and maybe not as like hard, but like. You know, like I know I always talk about can't hardly wait, but the can't hardly wait to the world, the 10 things I hate about you is of the world. Like, yeah, just yeah. a lot of and, and there's some of the more, you know, lower grade ones from from that era as well in the early 2000s, late 90s as well. But, you know, I think I'd imagine the person writing that or directing it, you know, used Fast Times as at least a, a little bit of a reference. Yeah, it's. Yeah, um, we're gonna we'll be diving right into it. But this is, I think, this is a good start. This is a great starter episode for breaking down the cast, the crew, um, the writer, obviously Cameron Crow, the director Amy Heckerling. I think I like just like saying Amy Heckerling now that I started to pronounce her name properly. So I can't wait to say it seven hundred more times without the next two episodes. Heckerling, yeah, we'll get it, we'll get it. Um. But yeah, this is so the next episode, we're going to break down the entire movie. Um, I think I'm going to watch that shit tomorrow. I mean, I've seen it a million times. I do not need to watch it again, but I'm going to because it's that great. Um, so, yeah, we'll be back uh, in a few short days with the full movie breakdown in episode two of a three part series of Legacy Week of Fast Times at Ridgemont High. And then we'll do a wrap up episode where we kind of maybe bring some people on to praise it and talk about its influence and what it really means. And, and now we already started diving into all that stuff, but we're going to dive even deeper. Um, but yeah, so you can check us out on Apple and Spotify and wherever the fuck. And we're on Instagram at heart guy media and Twitter at heart guy media. And we'll be posting this shit and fucking follow and listen, tell your fucking friends and pretend like you, even if you don't like fast times, pretend that you do and repost this. So you don't look like a fucking, (laughs) a goob but but yeah this is uh what a what a milestone 40 40 years of fast times and i couldn't think of a better uh, a better movie to to return for legacy week than uh fast times well said well said
Well, all right. Uh, yeah, this is dropping. And uh, episode two will be dropping this weekend as well as episode three not too long after that. So check it out and hit us up on the socials. And, yeah, we will we'll be in with this shit all week. Legacy Week, Fast Times Richmond High, Sight and Sound Podcast, Hard Guy Media, out.